0: Take your Bible, if you will, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 8. While you're turning, let's sing together. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me. That great salvation, so rich and free. Amen. I said chapter 8, but look at the last part of chapter 7. We'll begin in verse 23. And they truly were many priests. Now he's talking about the Levitical priesthood, the the, priesthood. Hebrews, Hebrews, what did I say, no, no, Hebrews, we hadn't been looking at Ephesians, we hadn't been there, oh, but that's where my piece of paper is stuck, I'll explain it, that's where it fell open, well, uh, that's not all that unusual, yeah. I know it's way early, way older than the Bible you got. I got this Bible in nineteen seventy-four or seven? No, nineteen seventy-two. I think is when I got this Bible. <coughs> the reason I don't carry it all the time is because it's coming apart, and because the words are too small. <laughs> okay, here we go. Talking about the Aaronic the priesthood, the uh, from the. Family of Aaron from the tribe of Levi. And it says, they truly were many priests. Verse 23, chapter 7. Because they were not suffered or allowed to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Jesus is always going to be our high priest. Okay? Eli died when he got old. Aaron died when he got old. Eli died because he fell off the bench backwards and broke his neck. Uh-huh. Aaron died cause, just because he got old. And uh, th- and that's uh, really unusual in this day and time. Now, when I was a kid, people often died because they got old. But now, nobody dies from old age anymore. It's against the law. Okay? <laughs> if you die... Because you're old, then something happened to you. Your heart stopped. Cardi- uh, myocardial infarction are your, you stop breathing, respiratory arrest. Okay? Uh, we can go on and on with all the different diagnoses and causes of death, but nobody dies from old age anymore. Okay. Um, it's kind of sad because now that I got, got old, I'd kind of like to die from it. <clears throat> But Jesus never gets old, and he never is going to die again. He continues forever, and he has an unchangeable priesthood. And what's another word for unchangeable? Immutable. Yeah, good job. Okay? Immutable. I-M-M-U-T-A-B-L-E. Immutable. Immutable. Because he has an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And what does that mean to save to the uttermost? Well, it means not to just partly save. For example, if I trust Christ as personal Savior, some denominations believe that if I then go out and sin, I'm not saved anymore. That's not saved to the uttermost. That puts a time limit on it. You're saved until you sin again. But Christ is an unchanging priest that lives forever. And so He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him. Seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us who is holy. Well, if you want a list of things that Jesus is, here's a good list. He's holy. He's harmless. He's undefiled. He's separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's? For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh me and high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. Okay? Okay. Now he's fixing to wrap up all he had to say about Jesus being a greater high priest than Aaron and all the Levites. Okay? This is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Now hang on, what's that mean? That means... That God, when He gave Moses the plans for the tabernacle, simply showed him the one that was in heaven and said, do it like that one. Wow. That's pretty cool. They have this tabernacle in heaven that God put up. And what's in that tabernacle? Well, there's a mercy seat. Which is what we call the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And that mercy seat is where Jesus sprinkled His own blood. And every day, He makes intercession for, us, intercession for us. You say, how does He do that? Does He go in day after day and sprinkle more of His blood? No, He did it one time. Now He just goes to God and says, Hey God, do you remember when I sprinkled the blood? <laughs> yeah. It was covered, right? Well, yeah. Okay, so Satan obviously doesn't have a leg to stand on here. He has no standing in this court. He can stand. He can make accusations all he wants, but he has no standing against a believer in Jesus Christ, one who was saved to the uttermost. Every high priest. Is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to suffer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer sacrifices, that, excuse me, that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and the shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. So, the Old Testament tabernacle was made after the, new, the heavenly tabernacle. Now, if you've never been in the Old Testament tabernacle, I wish I could take you. South of Jerusalem, actually go east of Jerusalem down to the Jordan River, and then you go south down by the Dead Sea, and go 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 and and, you know, past the Dead Sea and and past the mountains of Edom, and get on. Finally, you think, oh man, we're never going to get there, and they turn off on this little road and they go up in there, and uh, there used to be a full-scale model of the tabernacle set up in the in the wilderness. I mean, in its wilderness, it was in the uh, the national park where the pillars of Solomon are. And you say, what are the pillars of Solomon? Oh, These great big, tall rocks, <laughs> and the, Solomon's copper mines were right around there. And so they call the the rocks the pillars of, of Solomon. And uh, hey, if you find it, you get to name it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what they did <laughs> but anyhow uh, here's this tower and you and sure know it's got a cloth fence all the way around it and a cloth fence cloth gate all the way across the front that's separated from the fence several feet so that you walk around the end of the gate and then in a little ways and then into the outer courtyard and here's the altar and the bronze lever, And then the veil. And this big tent. And the outside of the tent's pretty ugly. Quite honestly. Nothing attractive about it. The outside of the fence is pretty ugly. Nothing attractive. But you get inside and see all the different colors of material that are covered by these badger skins. And goat skins. And wow. I mean it's just astounding. And you walk in. And here on this side is the golden candlestick, seven bowls of oil lit, and over on this side the table of showbread, and right in front of it, this, this little square end table, you know, kind of like a bedside table, only it's a little taller than that. stands about this tall from the platform up about this much, okay? And it's got a little, it's got a little. Uh, scallops around the top of it. And it's got coals in it. And that's where they burn the incense. And they put that incense on there and it smokes. And, uh, and wow, the scent just fills the whole tabernacle. And right behind that, directly behind that, is this huge veil. I mean, it goes all the way to the ceiling, side to side, and it's very, very thick. Layer upon layer upon layer of material. And and yeah, when you say very tall, how tall? About 30 feet tall. Okay? And uh, you uh, embroidered in this thing are these angels, big angels, cherubim. Okay? And with the light from the candlestick flickering, you know how a candlelight does, it looks like these things are hovering. You know? I mean, it looks like their wings are moving. And they're just hovering there. And they're watching to see to see what? See what God's doing. See one of the things that angels don't understand is how God can love us when we are so disobedient. I mean, they recognize that we're made in the image of God. They're not. They're spirits. That can take on human form. But they weren't created in the image of God. We were. And when they and and then God gave us his word and he and he walked and talked with our great 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 grandfathers and ancestors in the Garden of Eden and then on through history. And now we live like we don't really believe this book. I mean, a lot of people treat the Bible the way the cults treat it. Say, what do you mean the way the cults treat it? Well, how do the cults treat the Bible? If you ask a uh, Mormon about the Bible, they're going to say, yeah, we believe the King James Bible. Okay? Well, so how come you're a Mormon? Well, because we believe that the Bible doesn't say everything it needs to say. And God gave Joseph Smith some more revelation to go with the Bible. Okay, does that bother anybody? Christian science, same way. We, yeah, we believe the Bible, we just don't believe it means what it says. Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, we believe that that people have misinterpreted the Bible, so so we had to retranslate it. So the major example, John chapter one verse one: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Whoa! What do you mean a God? The Bible says there's only one God. He's a triune being, but there's only one. And they said, no, 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 he, no. Jehovah is one God. And whatever else y'all believe, that's, that, I mean, that's, just, that's misinterpretation of the Bible. I guess I was very fortunate to grow up in the home I grew up in because my dad generally said exactly what he meant. And for the most part, he always meant exactly what he said. And so I grew up believing that about God. God said what he meant, and he meant what he said. But when we begin to look at the scriptures and we decide, well, I don't think you have to go to church all the time. I mean, every time the doors open, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, where does the Bible say that? Nowhere. What it says is, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together after the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? Well, how about tomorrow? No, you're talking about the day of Christ's return. And yet, the Bible also says that in the days just before the return of Christ, there will be massive deception. So that even the elect can be deceived. Even those that God has chosen. And we do it by ignoring the Word of God. Don't tell me you believe it if you ignore it. Is it plain enough? Can I say it one more time? Don't tell me you believe the Bible if you ignore or disobey the Bible. We've got a lot of folks that are quote-unquote members of our church. That live that way. And that's so tragic. Because that's the way the cults treat the Bible. Verse 6. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. More excellent ministry than who? Well, then Moses, then Aaron, then the angels, then the Old Testament prophets. Four pretty major things in the life of a Jew. And this is written to the Hebrews. Also, by how much also, he is the mediator of a better covenant. Covenant. Which was established upon better promises. Wow, what are the Old Testament covenants? Well, there's the covenant with Noah, okay? Covenant with Noah, and then there's a covenant with Abraham. The covenant with Abraham is unconditional. Covenant with Noah is conditional. Covenant with with Abraham is unconditional. God says, "I'm going to give you a land that." As far as you can see. And I'm going to make of you great nations. Okay, I'm going to bless the whole world. Every family on the face of the earth. Because of you. And through you. And everybody that curses you, I'm going to curse. And Abraham thought, okay, what am I supposed to do in return? God said, believe me. Trust me. But I'm 99 years old, and you said 24 years ago I was going to have a baby, and and I don't have that son yet. So Jesus said, well, about this time next year, Sarah is going to bear you a son. And Abraham looked at his 89-year-old wife. She looked at Abraham and Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness and he became the father of faith and all of those who have faith according to the book of Galatians are children of Abraham so not only is he the father of the Jews and the father of the Arabs through um, um, Ishmael but he's the father of all the believers in the church. Because he's the father of faith. And then there's the Davidic covenant. Covenant of David. Hey, you obey me, I'll take care of you. And out of you will come the Messiah. Then we get to Jeremiah. And God says, in that day, I'm going to give my people a new covenant. And that's what he's talking about here. I'm going to give them a new covenant. What do you mean? A new covenant. It's going to be a better covenant. Really? You want to see it? Jeremiah 31. 31. Flip over there right quick. Jeremiah Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel's too far, Daniel's too far. It starts in verse 26. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? God doesn't answer that question, but the answer is no. No. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans and into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And the Chaldeans that fight against this city shall come and set fire on this city and burn it with the houses upon whose roofs they have offered incense unto Baal and poured out drink offerings unto other gods to provoke me to anger. For the children of Israel and the children of Judah have... Only done evil before me from their youth. For the children of Israel have only provoked me to anger with the work of their hands, saith the Lord. For this city hath been to me a provocation of mine anger and of my fury, from the day that they built it even unto this day, that I should remove it from before my face. Because of all the evil of the children of Israel and of the children of Judah, which they have done to provoke me to anger, they, their kings, their princes, their priests, their prophets, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and they have turned unto me their back and not the face. Though I taught them, rising up early teaching them, yet they have not hearkened to receive instruction. But they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to defile it. And they built the high places of Baal, which is, are in the valley of the son of Hinnom. That's what we call Gay Gehinnom. To cause their sons and daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech. That's sacrificing babies. Which I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city, wherever you say, It shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whither I have driven them in mine anger and in my fury. And in great wrath. And I will bring them again into this place. And I will cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. Wow. Okay, he's already started gathering them, hadn't he? Are they dwelling safely? No. Not yet. But he said, they're going to. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever. For the good of them and of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. That I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. Thus saith the Lord. That was very, very interesting. I'm in the wrong chapter. How do you like that? Uh, were you all following along pretty good? Oh, my goodness. Okay, i got pages sticking together. Therein lies the problem. There we go. 31, 31. Behold, the days cometh, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. I'm not done. I just got to stop and share something with you. This is the covenant with Israel. But do you know what the Lord Jesus Christ does for people who trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? You know what He does for us? He sends the Holy Spirit to teach us the law of God. Why? So we can get to heaven? No. Because we are going to heaven. To teach us how to live with one another. How to reach others. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. will be their God. They shall be my people. Verse 34. They shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. New Covenant. And the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus, as a great high priest, is also a mediator. The first covenant was not faultless. If it had been, there would have been no place to have been sought for the second. Chapter 8, verse 8. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And that he saith, A new covenant. He hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. one more thing this is covenant with the Jews ok when is it going to establish that covenant with the Jews not during tribulation yeah at some point after millennial kingdom millennial kingdom Bible didn't say. Could be at the end of the millennial kingdom. When we move in the ages into the ages to come, when he creates a new heaven and a new earth. You say, well, Brother Casey, I'm not Jewish. I'm not a Hebrew. Where does that leave me? I'm glad you asked that. Because that is the cool part of this whole thing. As the bride of Christ, we are going to rule and reign with Him as kings and priests of God. We're not going to have to have a new law written in our hearts, we're going to be living with Him, we're going to be fellowshipping with Him, we're going to be in communion with Him. Wow. Ruling and reign with Christ. Well, your kingdom it's going to rule with a rod of iron. What that, what's that mean? That means when somebody sins, God judges them. Same day. And who does he use to do it? Us. You're not going to transport people to Jerusalem to face Jesus every time. The people who rule and reign with him are going to judge. And while we're doing that, we're going to judge the angels. Okay? That's why God created hell for the devil and his angels. He gave us the authority to rule, to, to rule and reign over them and to judge them. You say, Brother Casey, do you understand all that? No, but I believe it. Because the Bible says it. And we can trust God, can't we? We better. Better trust his word. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Sunday. Bless the men's prayer breakfast Saturday morning. The Lord, uh, Joshua's graduation party Saturday afternoon. Especially the services this coming Sunday. Touch people's hearts. Draw them to you. Help give them a desire to be here. We will praise you and thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.